Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody doing good? Woo! I'm excited for today. You guys ready to have some fun? Yeah. Hey, I, you guys know there's food trucks coming. There's a little juice, all right? And we need, we need this every week. Hey, uh, I'm going to try and keep this brief so we have plenty of time to go outside and enjoy the food and inflatables and the games and uh, just one another, really. I'm excited for it. Uh, so I'll be fast if you'll listen fast. Deal? Can you listen fast? All right. That was, that was a joke. I don't know if listening fast is a thing. But hey, uh, today we are in week three of our series, Prove It. Prove It. And we've called it Prove It because over and over throughout the book of James, it's as if James is telling us to prove it, to prove your faith. And in chapter one, we really hit two thoughts. Uh, the first is that uh, enduring tough times, that we can endure it. We can actually uh, rejoice when we have those hard times because God has it under control that he's going to use those tough times to grow us. He's not going to waste any of the pain that you've endured, not one bit of it. And the second thing that we saw at the end of chapter two or chapter one was that uh, we don't need to just be listeners of the word and hearers of the word. We actually need to be doers of the word. That's what we talked about last week. So James, he's talked about our vertical relationship with God. And the next few chapters, he's going to talk about our horizontal relationship with one another. Let's hop into James chapter 2, verse 1. All right, we're going to read these first uh, four verses and then verses 8 and 9. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another one comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention Uh, and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can go stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Yes, indeed, it is God, it is good, rather, uh, when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Uh, So I don't know if you caught that there. Uh, uh, How can you, that's what James is saying, how can you say if you're a Christian, you favor some people over others? That's what he says in verse 1. He he goes on, he says, hey, if you've got two people come in to the service and one is looking um, a little homely, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're not looking very good put together. Uh, and then somebody else comes in, and uh, they got that drip. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're looking nice. I don't know if anybody else caught that. Some of you guys are looking, right? They're looking fancy. They're looking good, okay? Uh, if you give priority to that wealthy person over that poor person, it shows that you are guided by evil motives. Because throughout the book of the James, he's saying, prove it. Uh, it's not that you say the right thing. It's that you actually do the right thing. Thing. So what he's getting at here is that the kingdom of God does not discriminate. God offers the same grace to everyone because he paid the same price for everyone. He doesn't look at our exterior. He doesn't look at our bank account. He doesn't look at the clothes that we have uh, and see, to see if we are worthy of his grace. And I'm so thankful for that because guess what? None of us are. None of us are worthy of the grace that God offers. Not one of us. He brings us into his family by faith. And so we want to be this community right here. We want to be a diverse group of believers that come together uh, on Jesus. 
right? We're united by Jesus, that we have different races, we have different tax brackets. We got both, I wrote this before uh, yesterday, but we got both Sooner fans, right, which are weeping right now, and we got both Cowboy fans who had the buy, all right? Uh, because those things, we might have some fun around those things, right? But that's not what keeps us together. Those things are, are they're gonna fail. The only thing that has the power to unite us is the gospel of Jesus. And the only way we're going to stay connected is through a relentless pursuit, not, not of one another, a relentless pursuit of Jesus. Because he's the only one who's going to hold it together. Now, he's going to affect the way that we act. Remember, we need to prove it. I heard this quote about the book of James and said it first week. But James is basically saying, if you're going to be a Christian, uh, be a real one. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. You have to do it. So everyone who comes through this door... Everyone who comes through this door on a Sunday, oh, everyone who comes through the door of your house throughout the week, they should feel welcomed and treated like an equal. We can't say everybody's welcome and then act like they weren't invited when they show up. Have you ever had that happen to you? You get invited somewhere and it's like, yeah, awesome. And nobody's going to talk to me. I'm just going to be by myself. And, man, I really wish I didn't come. Have you ever felt that before? It's, it's not fun, right? So, hey, we can't say everyone's welcome and then act like they aren't invited because Jesus is for everyone. Uh, and so I got a, another verse here. Uh, I want you to say the part in yellow with me, okay? It's John 3.16. You guys have probably heard this before. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, all right? Uh, emphasis on the everyone. Uh, that, that's how salvation goes, all right? Uh, we are born into an imperfect world. I don't know if you know that. Uh, nobody teaches us how to sin. Sinning 101, did anybody go through that one? But yet, I'm pretty good at messing it up, right? Never went to the class, but I can still sin pretty good. Uh, we're able to do that all on our own. Uh, that's, that's wickedness. That's wickedness, okay? And without Jesus... The Bible is pretty clear on this. Our default is towards wickedness. No one has to teach us. No one has to instruct us how to sin. Uh, it's our default. But Jesus came and he gave up his life for everyone. He willingly died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. He gave us a way to be with him in heaven. He paid our debt. And so here's what's cool is when we accept Jesus, this amazing thing happens. We are wicked, all right? But when we accept Jesus, he declares us righteous. He declares us righteous. So when God looks at you as a believer, if you've accepted Jesus, um, he sees that you are right with God because Jesus has put his righteousness on you. He doesn't see your mess ups. He doesn't see your mistakes. He has declared you righteous. So positionally, you are right with God. When you accept Jesus, God declared you as righteous. That is what we would call salvation, right? Positionally, I'm right with God. Nothing can change that. We can't change our position uh, with God. We can't. Uh, but what's true for many of us positionally, right, we have Jesus' righteousness it's on us. Positionally, I'm right with God. Nothing can change that. But practically, not many of us operate that way. Our daily actions and our environment, it's actually in uh, wickedness. So if positionally I'm right with God, but uh, I'm not operating in there, um, there's a gap between where I am declared right with God and, and where I'm operating. Uh, the difference between that gap, when you're moving towards righteousness, uh, there's a theological word, it's called sanctification, right? 
You're declared righteous. That's what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's salvation. And to close that gap where you are actually trying to become more like Jesus, that's called sanctification. It's becoming more like Jesus. Uh, we positionally are right, but practically we are wicked. That just is an easy way to say is our actions don't match up with our position in Christ. Um, good news, bad news. You're never going to fully arrive where your actions match up and you're fully righteous. Guess what? That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. We're never going to make it. Uh, but here's what's really cool is we can press on and strive to be more like Jesus. And the more you become like Jesus, even though you're never going to fully get there, the more you become like him, the closer and closer you get, the closer and closer you're going to be to him, to seeing him do amazing things. Amazing things. Amazing things. Um, and, and so it's... Um, it's just something that's really, really wild to see him do crazy things. And so uh, I got a life hack for you guys today. You guys know what a life hack is? Yeah, track with me, a life hack. It's a, it's a, it's a simple solution to a complex problem, all right? Uh, and there's a bunch of life hacks. Have you ever seen those videos on Facebook? This isn't in my notes. I probably shouldn't say this. But those videos on Facebook where it's like, I got a hack. And it's like, you just made that way more complicated than it needed to be. <laughs> like, I think you just got me to watch because I didn't believe you. And now you get the views and I watch the ad. So you got me. Uh, but hey, one hack to getting closer to Jesus. One hack. This is just a simple solution to a complex problem because there's going to be multifaceted things. But, but one way to get closer to Jesus is by getting closer to people who are pursuing intimacy with Jesus, all right? Uh, let's, let's break it down. So uh, there's another verse. It's 2 Corinthians uh, 6, verses 14 through 18. Boom, great job. Can we give it up for Todd in the back? He's crushing it right now. All right, <clears throat> here's what it says. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Last verse right here. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughter, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, there was a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. So, uh, but it said, don't team up with unbelievers. Uh, other translations, they actually say, don't be unequally yoked. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, maybe you've heard that term, unequally yoked. And there's a lot of people who have heard that, and they've said that that means uh, you should not, as a believer, marry or date an unbeliever. Uh, and while I think that is good, sound advice, uh, it's talking about a little bit more than that. It's talking about your life. Don't team up. Don't partner with. Don't be connected with Unbelievers, You should not team up with them. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? You don't need to be yoked to, connected to, partners with people who don't follow Jesus. Uh, when you partner with them, you might be uh, positionally righteous, but in practice, you are tied to the wicked. I got a little uh, example here. I'm going to put this on, all right? I hope I don't fall. This would be really bad. Um, sorry, I haven't done this without making noise. I didn't realize how loud that was going to be. All right, here we go. All right, 
This is a, a yoke or a, a harness uh, connecting point for me. All right, Todd, let's go to that one that says uh, the words right here on the sign. One more. All right, so this, this side right here and this over here is going to be wickedness. And there's two sides to this coin. And then this side over here, go ahead and put it up there, righteousness. And so this, this is a yoke, all right? This is a harness for me. Uh, and where my connections are anchored, where I'm anchored to, what I'm attached to, what I'm tied to, what I'm partnered with, that's going to be what pulls me. So here's what a lot of us look like. All right? This is wickedness. We are tied to the wickedness. All right, so positionally, we know Jesus. Positionally, I'm righteous. I'm right with God. And I am trying to move towards righteousness, but I'm anchored to wickedness. My environment, my people, the relationships I have. And so here's the deal. Uh, there is a current that the closer I get over here, if that pops off my back, it's really going to hurt. But the closer I get over here, the more it's going to want to pull me back to what I'm connected to, what I'm tied to, that wickedness. Uh, it, it, so practically, here's what this looks like, all right? I want to go to church. All right, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pursue Jesus, but my friends are like, hey, let's sleep in, grab bun brunch and mimosas, all right? Going back this way. All right, it looks like uh, you want to honor God with what you consume. I don't want to put things in front of me that I don't want to, that shouldn't be in front of you, but your friends are like, come on, it's supposed to be really funny, all right? When really it's just vulgar and crude. And here's the truth, no matter how hard you pull, it's going to pull you back. Because what you're tied to, you're pulled to. What you're tied to, you're pulled to. It's like gravity. Uh, you can fight it, and I could keep fighting this and keep pushing here, but guess what? It's a losing battle. If that's what I'm tied to, I'm going to keep getting pulled back to it. And what's really cool about this truth that what you're tied to, you're pulled to, is it doesn't just work this way. It doesn't just work with wickedness. So uh, let's, let's unhook from wickedness and let's see what that would look like if we connected to, to righteousness over here. All right. There we go. All right. Here's, here's what's really cool. That gravity that was pulling you that way, it was pulling you towards wickedness, it works this way. If you'll disconnect from wickedness and you'll connect to righteous people, here's what happens, all right? You sleep in on a Sunday. You had a long weekend. You had a long week at work. It's been hard. You deserve a day to not go to church, right? Now, you know what that is? That's you doing this. And you might miss. You're not perfect. That's all right. But this right here, you know what that is? That's encouraging text from somebody saying, hey, I genuinely missed you. Let's grab lunch. Let's catch up. Uh, it, it's also like this. It's blown a, flu a fuse, right? in front of a group member. You lost it on your kids. Anybody ever been there, right? And them saying, hey, let's catch up. I got you. Keep moving forward. Keep being like Jesus. You messed up, but don't get stuck there. Keep going back to him. And, and here's the deal. You have an emergency, and you, and you just want to freak out, and you want to do go back to your weakness, and it's people saying, hey, can I watch your kids so you can handle this? And they're just pulling you back to righteousness, and they're just pulling you and pulling you. You can't get away from it. It's just going to keep pulling you back. The same way it was pulling you towards wickedness, now if you get connected with the right people, you don't team up with unbelievers, it's going to pull you back to righteousness. It's going to pull you back to right living with God. And, and here's the deal. I think, I think some of us, we think we have this connection to, to the church, and, and we expect it to be these big moments. These big moments. And it's just 
not like that. It's like gravity. It's hard to beat. And, and it's just those faithful steps of people coming alongside saying, you got this. God's with you. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's keep moving forward. It's not always these big things. It's those little moments. Because here's the truth. Yeah, you might feel like you wish you had a big moment over here. But when you're attached to wickedness, guess what? There's no big moments over there either. What happens? They snowball and the snowball and they get bigger and bigger. Same thing happens here this way. Why don't we let that happen on the right side of things? Instead of being connected over here, being connected over here, letting it pull us back this way. I'm sweating. I got to take this off. All right. There we go. But here's the deal. Some of you in this room right now, positionally, you're right with God. You're right with him. Like, you have been clothed with the righteousness that Jesus had. The Bible says that. But practically, in the walk of your everyday life, you're connected to, you're tied to the world. Um, let me give an example of, uh, a couple examples of what this might look like. Uh, when Kelsey and I were dating, I did not get permission to sell the story, so I saw her eyes go really big. Uh, we were dating in the, the mid-2000, late 2000s. Anyways, well, we were in high school, uh, and Kelsey had, Kelsey would wear a hoodie that I had. Raptors hoodie, Little League basketball team, right? Uh, and again, I don't know why parents buy stuff that's like five sizes too big for a kid when he's in elementary school, so it'll fit forever. But anyways, uh, we were dating, and she would wear this hoodie. Uh, and it said Raptors on it, had the logo on it. Uh, it covered her up. When people looked at her, they would see Raptors. She did not behave like a member of the Raptors basketball team. What I mean, she did not show up to practice. She did not show up to game day, right? But she was covered in this thing that said Raptors. All right, an even better example, an even better example of this, right? Uh, my daughter, Kinley, uh, there is nothing she could do that positionally would make her not my daughter. Nothing. She's my daughter. I don't care what she did. She's still my daughter. Nothing's going to change that. But there are often things that my 18-month-old daughter does that are things that I would not like my daughter to do. She's a kid. Um, uh, she started this thing where when I asked for something, she used to be just so sweet, and she just hand to me. It's like, you're perfect, you know? Uh, but, but now uh, there's this thing where when I'll ask for something, and she knows she's not supposed to have it. She's holding it, and she clearly knows it's something that I'm going to take away from her. So when I ask for it, what does she do? She sprints away, and then she throws it on the ground. Not behavior I want for my child. Right? Just yesterday, she had a cup of water, and I was like, oh, please don't throw that on the ground. All over the living room. Had my AirPods, throws them, they go everywhere, come out of the case. <laughs> what are you doing, girl? But guess what? No matter how she behaves, it does not change the fact that she is my daughter. Positionally, nothing can change that. Nothing. But practically, there's times where she doesn't live up to how I would like for her to behave. We do the same thing as Jesus followers. He has covered you with his righteousness. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. There's nothing that can change that. So don't partner with the wickedness of the world. Close the gap on where you're at practically and where you're at positionally. And instead of anchoring up and connecting to wickedness and working against the current, connect to righteousness and work with the current. It's a lot easier to go with the current. We've got to make sure you're in the current that's going the right way. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, some of you are here and you're thinking, what about being a light to the world? Like Jesus, he hung out with sinners. How am I supposed to be disconnected from unbelievers? Aren't we supposed to be salt and light to the world? Yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I love it when your questions line up with my notes. But I want you to think about it this way. Um, let's look at this, okay? Let's, let's go a few more. Let's go to those, those circles, Todd. The first one, all right. So Jesus, he loved everybody. He loved everybody. But he also fed the 5,000. He loved everybody, but he only fed that 5,000. And then he, he actually trained the 120. There was 120 people that were kind of following him around. Uh, but then to take it the next step, he discipled the 12. There was 12 disciples. But then even within them, there was another circle. He, he mentored three. See, there are different levels of connection in your life. And I think it's possible that a lot of us, uh, we've got the church on one of those outside circles, and the church is not a building, a church is a group of believers, it's, it's people who follow Jesus. Um, and so the church is on the outside, uh, in outer circle, but it's not in your inner circle. And when I say inner circle, I'm talking about that 12 or that 13 group, the innermost. And when you think about that, and your inner circle, in your life, what are you connected to? Is that wickedness and the world? Or is that righteousness and the people of God? Because guess what? They both are gonna have a pull on the way you live. I'm not saying you can't pursue righteousness and be connected, you can. It's gonna be a lot harder. It's not to say that you can't be anchored to righteousness and not pursue wickedness, you can. You're gonna bounce back that way though. And here's the truth. You want to become something. You want to become something. You wanna be a better student. You want to be a better parent. You wanna be a better spouse. Uh, the greatest thing you can do that will affect change to that, the goal of becoming someone is the people you let into that innermost circle. Because if bad company corrupts character, good company promotes character. One of the best ways to get connected to the right group of people is to, to join a group, to get with other believers who say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to follow Jesus. To hang out with people who are practically trying to pursue righteousness. To sit in a living room uh, with people who are just like you and trying to figure it out. They're not scared of your issues. They're not saying that they're better than you. Again, we're not gonna discriminate. They're just real people who are trying their best to pursue righteous living. I said I'd be quick, so as, as we wrap up, I want you to think about who are you connected to? Who's in that innermost circle? Who's in that second circle? What direction are they pulling you? Because it says there to not be partnered with unbelievers. All right, Jesus loved everyone. He fed the 5,000. I think there was probably some people in there that weren't Jesus followers. We're talking about unconnected. We're talking about letting people into our lives, into that innermost circle 
that to be honest, have no reason being there. We need to love everyone just like Jesus, but we don't need to let them into that inner circle. Who's in there for you? What direction are they pulling you? Maybe today you need to reorganize the, the people in these circles. Some people, they might need to get pushed out a ring or two. And others, they might need to move in a ring or two. And because uh, the old adage is true, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Protect who you're partnered with, who you're connected to. Protect it. Make sure they are pulling you in the right direction. Let's pray.